Are dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top-notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state-of-the-art equipment and techniques. Rogerstein Crash Repairs saved my car. It looks brand new. Fast, friendly and reliable. I wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle. Don't let accidents slow you down. Visit Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide at 14 Penner Avenue, Glind for quality service you can count on. And here's a special offer just for our listeners. Mention this podcast and receive a $100 discount on your repair. Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair. Previously, Previously. on the Game On Podcast. So... Basically, to finish off, uh, we'll get you out here on this one. We always ask, uh, who was the toughest opponents you played against? We'll do it in twofold, uh, the, at the Bulldogs and also at Norwood. From it, like, as in an individual player? Yeah, an individual. Or, we always or, pick a couple of players. You don't have to pick one. Yeah, Just a whatever, couple. Go whatever angle you want, mate. Yeah. I played on... Um, I, I remember playing on Akinmanis for about a quarter. That's an uh, interesting match-up, K-Mac. About a half, and I, th- I sort of um, yeah, it is, and I thought I had him. Like I'm like far out. I can. He's not a whole lot quicker than me. Um, I've got him overhead. I think I'm like he's kind of playing him for ten minutes. And you kind of get, go to a couple of contests. And you're like, oh, no, I think I'm alright here. And then in the space of about two minutes, he's kicked two goals. I mean, just hitting front centers, and yeah. I'm like, how the hell did he get his hands on it? And then I'm, I found myself on the bench. And, you know, <laughs> someone else is playing on it. <laughs> So you sort of just within about ten minutes, I've gone from like I've got this guy, I've got him done, and then I'm I'm on the bench and I'm like, oh, what the hell just happened there? Um, <laughs> so he was he was a, he was a handful. Um, I played on a like I managed to have moments where I was on like Nathan Buckley for a bit. I was on James Hurd for for a quarter. Um, I played on Pavlich for a half. Yeah. Against Freo, he was he was he was pretty good. Yes. <laughs> Handy. Um, yeah, he was handy. I, um, so I, I was very, it was more just, I, I was really privileged to have played on those guys, really. And, um, um, I don't think anyone really got away from me all that much, other than that you sort of feel like, oh, God, if this guy gets reasonable delivery here, or if I was playing up forward and they were playing on me, I'm like, I can't even get the ball here. <laughs> so, um, they'll put, oh, I don't know, I played on Adam Goods actually for, for a half of 42, I forgot about that. Um, so there's a lot of good players that you sort of find yourself rolling around against in the AFL. Um, and they could, they sort of could all do something like ridiculously well. Like Pavlich was just incredibly strong. Like he'd sort of be with him, but he just, he was too strong and Akamanis was a bit too clever and Adam could, could just keep running. Um, so they sort of all seem to have a bit, a bit of a, an ability to do something really at a special level. Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. 
South Australia's destination for everything sports. Local, national, and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis, cricket, and any other sports played in this wide world. And we're going to have a blast doing it. So sit back, relax, and let's do this thing. Welcome to Game On. Welcome to Game On. My name's Pete, once again joined by Malcolm. And uh, Kieran McGuinness was fantastic last week in just letting us know about a couple of opponents that he stood and Akamanis yeah. was probably a funny story. Yeah, that was quite funny by K-Mac. Look. As I've said and previously, he's someone I have enormous respect for, Karen. Uh, great bloke. Wonderful, wonderful family, the McGuinnesses. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, obviously playing on Hurd and Buckley, mm. Pavlich, you know, the list goes on. In his short uh, career at the Western Bulldogs, uh, you know, it's memories like that that last a lifetime. And, and, you know, he can sit back and go, you know what, I, I gave it a fair old crack against those guys. Oh, and as I said, I, I'm mystified how he's not a 200-game AFL, AFL player. Nord's benefit to Western Bulldogs' incompetence. Absolutely. All right, let's go around the grounds. Around the grounds. They're playing around with it, and Lucy Austin. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Tanya Robs, their coach, said, why can't it be us? Well, in five seconds' time, Tanya Robbs, you'll know it can be you. Well, the siren goes. The drought is over. It's a decade in the waiting. And the Adelaide Thunderbirds are going to take the trophy back home to South Australia. You little beauty. Uh, fantastic call there, too. Full uh, full compliment uh uh, and respect for the, for the emotion, and it was genuine. And, yeah, a fantastic result for the Thunderbirds um, and you know, great result for netball and South Australia in general. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you think about, obviously, Adelaide's form for the last 10 years. They have been a bit scratchy the last two or three mm. years. of You know, two, I think the statistic going around was two from 28, which is, you know, not, not the nicest-looking stat going around. And you're right, how important was it that, why not us? And yeah. they, they won a major semi-final, obviously, over in Sydney. They then have to come over to Melbourne, which is a neutral venue, but still, again, playing away from home. To bring it away, I think it's a very special achievement. Oh, and what a great final series. Both Adelaide games going over, over, over time, draw over time. And the prelim final was one goal as well. So, look, a fantastic advertisement for netball and... Netball is a serious sport. It's a fantastic sport to watch. It is so quick. It's dynamic, it's isn't athletic. it? It's athletic. Interestingly enough, doing a camp today, and we're trying to – it is a netball and footy camp, yep. talking to the, the ladies taking the netball and just trying to get at where – what will this hopefully develop yep. in terms of netball-wise. So we just got to wait and see. So obviously the uh, baseball wait 43 years to win uh, yeah, the, the, the Claxton Shield. The, Shield. Uh, the Thunderbirds waiting 10 years, obviously, to win their premiership. Do we sort of see Port Adelaide maybe making that premiership oh, run? 
There's no need to no need to try and disadvantage the state, Pete. You know, come on. No, no, we've got yeah, to we've got to be fair and equitable. But no, no, look, that, do, do, do you know these these things yeah. sort of come in threes, don't yeah, they? I mean, know. you have a look. look what the one thing about Port is as much as yeah, I don't barrack for Port, but geez, they're playing some good. They're playing to watch. some brilliant footy. You know, Rosie's goal last Saturday last Saturday night. That's one of the greatest goals of all time. Right. Like Rosie Butters. Horn Francis, they're, they're pretty good to watch. We might cover that one a yes. little bit later, but yeah. um, the other benefit for not only uh, Netball South Australia in the Thunderbirds winning it, uh, they get to host the grand final next yeah. year as well. So, yep. again, Peter Malinowskis has done a, a great job in securing another major event, another major sporting event for South Australia. Yeah, I'm just a bit disappointed with Mally. I thought he could have got that out about 10 minutes earlier than what he did. No, no that's thought, okay. As always, Mally delivered. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, you're right. It'll be interesting to see what the ramifications are for netball in South Australia, obviously moving their home games uh, to the entertainment centre. So everything's trending in the right direction, and and once again, congratulations to the Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds. And we will try and get someone on it. Maybe a past player, like yeah. might be Nat Vomberto. We'll just uh, we'll, we'll try work and on we'll work one. on that for this week. Absolutely, and um, obviously uh, the Thunderbirds are looking to go back to back next year. Would be fantastic. Because Nat and Laura did go over as well, so oh, yeah. first hand knowledge. Yeah. All right, uh, we'll get into the remainder of around the grounds today. We're going to talk uh, a little bit of cricket, the AFL talk, trade talk already. The AFL obviously rounds SNFL Wimbledon, but we'll start off with cricket, mate. The third test. Uh, what happened? <laughs> I am, will say at when England, so it was a fluctuating game. It, so they're on top, then Marsh, head partnership. Marsh, incredible, comes back in, was just smashing him. If he got through that last over for T, who knows what Australia would have would have ended up with. But then we collapsed, lose six for 23. So we've only made six, two, six, three. But then we've got England seven for 140. And we did this ridiculous bouncer crap again, removing the uh, LBW and bold from the equation. Yep. First ball after tea, after lunch, sorry, would set up like a almost a baseball on the back foot. And I'm thinking, Stark, just pitch it up here. And he's like, you know, you've just got to pitch this up. Mm-hmm. And we just bowled so dumb to get England back in the game. Then we were on top batting, then fell away. England got the the luck with the weather to go through us. Set them 250, and that fluctuated back and forth. So, look, it has been three test matches, which could, have could be either any, way. Either way. any any connotation what uh, of results so far. Yep. So, I think we've got to take being 2-1 up, but we just uh, – I'd love, I'd love five decent days of rain or again the ashes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just rubbing it in yeah. right there. Obviously, Australia's first innings of two retain the ashes. Sorry, <laughs> uh, first innings of two sixty three. England's reply of two thirty seven. Australia two twenty four, and obviously England two fifty four. Very interesting that there were no big big scores there. You know, it was a very evenly poised match right from the get go. And I think when we got Bearstow out, that brilliant England keeper. Um, that they needed eighty odd still with four with only the four weeks. I, I thought we were we were on top at that stage, and again, if we'd boost bowled smarter, we may well be holding the ashes as we speak. But it's still alive for next week. In, in, next week. In your opinion, do you see that Australia have the better bowling attack than England, or the better batting attack than England? I think I think Australia probably bat. I think we're a bit deeper of both over a guard. Line getting injured has, yep. is crucial. Absolutely, we've you know we've lost, and you get all, almost see that Cummins didn't know what to do without Line. 
that it's so used to line blocks that end, we block when then we try and blast through it the other. Yep. All of a sudden not having that, you seemed a bit lost. Um I mean from a non cricket nuffy like myself, I I watch it, love it, yep. follow it as much as I possibly can, but obviously not in the no no with it. Uh it just seemed like Australia have a better bowling attack and yet we're not seeing it. That that's probably my frustration as a cricket follower. Because I think we're bowling dumb. Yeah. You know, we did have them 740, and then we changed the tactics. Now, you've got the Tide on the run. Why in the hell are you changing it up? Agreed. Oh, I, I can't disagree with you. I can't disagree with you. I'm angry. We sort of tried our little Nostradamus predictions. Yeah, with, I bombed on that one. <laughs> with Warner and Labashane a little bit. Um, obviously, Warner out in the first innings for four. Uh, Labashane out for 21 in the first inning, inning, innings as well. Uh, Warner out for one in the second innings. And Labashane out for 33. Warner's probably the biggest talking point. Is it a case of this is probably they can't select him for another test in England? The fact that Broad got him out in both innings again, and they say that Michael Atherton's the one desperately campaigning for Warner to keep his spot because uh, McGrath dismissed him 19 times. Broad's now got... uh, Warner out seventeen, so he wants he wants to lose that record. So, look, yeah, I almost think they've, they're going to want to bring Green back in the side. You can't drop Marsh, so for mine, Marsh opens. Yep. Uh, was it a surprise that Green? Because obviously we recorded just before the no, teams hammy. were released. He was he was, right. he was a little bit in doubt, right. and then they he got ruled out with a hammy. So. Um, I and, still think he'll come back in. And interesting, there were three changes for both teams in the sec in the third test. Are we expecting the same again in the second test? Uh, the fourth, fourth test? No. Well, this now there's eight days apart. Yeah. Well, those two were back to back, and it, it's it's hard. I think they're worried about Hazelwood's body standing up. Boland's been a bit disappointing. I think we thought England conditions and the Duke ball would suit him more than mm-hmm. what it has. Yep. Um, I don't think he was bowled brilliantly at the right times in that in this test match either. Mm-hmm. So his spot's obviously in doubt. You'd expect Hazelwood will probably come back in for him. Yep. Um, so, but whether they keep Murphy, if he's not going to bowl Murphy, there's no point in picking him. Yes. Do they therefore go for the extra batting and play Nessa as well? Yep. Is in the equation. So we just got to wait and see what so they do. Does that mean Head will get given the, the the ball to spin a little bit and maybe Smith potentially? Yeah, I, potentially. Just as a pinch hitting. Yeah. Look. Considering he only bowled nine odd overs, he would have been better off to have played Nessa. Yep. So, you made yeah. mention of Mitch Marsh, which was probably for me again not the yep. cricket nuffer here, uh, being selected in that uh, third test and obviously comes out with 118 off of 118 balls. Oh, you just smashed him. Uh, 17 fours and four sixes, which is not really what you think of when it comes to test match cricket, but it is coming becoming more vogue these days. It is, and also that is his game. He has batted that way in Shield games. You know, those of us who actually follow Shield cricket weren't overly surprised, surprised by that. Yep. Now, he did get dropped to sitter on 12, you know, so that would have changed the game. We would have been five for 80 and that then. Mm-hmm. So you just don't know. But then if he got through to T and coming out to be able to tee off again straight after tee, who knows? We could have ended up 350 on the first day or even more. Could have changed the complexion of the game. Absolutely. Uh, Obviously, Australia moving on into the fourth test. Uh, What are we expecting just quickly? Are we expecting much of the same? I think their team is really up in the air. I don't think they know what to do, whether to to drop Warner or not. Um, 
Well, you know, Green's missed one game with a hammy. Do they rule him out for two? Yep. Uh, that's probably up in the air whether Murphy plays or not. So there's a lot so, of things to be decided. So what's your three most pressing issues that you would look at changing? First one, bowling or first one, batting? Well, I think Warner's spot yep. is the one. So that's one, yep. One, and then the the makeup. Yep. Pat, are you going to bowl Murphy? If you, if you haven't got enough confidence in him, there's no point playing yep. him. Do we therefore First. strengthen it with Nessa? So that's two, and then three? I think it's bowl, bowl and Hazelwood. So I think yep. it's the bowling is still the okay, one so there. So bowling's probably yeah. the one that we've got to keep an eye on the most as to whether they want to do some radical changing or not. Mm. And whether they'll... Whether Har- you know Harris is the other opener who's still in the squad, I've kept finding it amusing how no one's mentioning him. They're mentioning Renshaw. Renshaw's not in the squad, so therefore Harris is going to get picked before Renshaw, yep. folks. Um, whether they play him, so there's lots of potential thing. Whether England bring back Anderson at his home ground, mm-hmm. um, whether they bring back uh, or they go for more pace and bring back Josh Tongue to bowl with Wood. Yep. So yeah. There's a lot of lot of potential. So there's a lot of permutations yes. that could actually. It's unusual to have this many potential yeah. permutations, especially with how settled the test team has been for quite some time, as far as a core six or seven, and the occasional one or two might come in. But three changes. Yeah, you, know, you got to look at it again and go: well, Are we bowling horses for courses, so to speak? You know, are we are we playing to those conditions with those players? And it's test matches so close together. Absolutely, and of course the women's ashes well, continues. And tonight. I was just about to mention that yeah. we'll move on to the women's. Obviously, losing twenty by uh, Duckworth Lewis yep. system. Uh, obviously, we've got a uh, one day international tonight. Yes, nine thirty. We're obviously recording just before that happens. Yep. What are we expecting from? The Australian team there? I think the Australian side's a better one-day one, one day side than 2020. I think we're, we're, we are missing Meg Lamming. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But a one-day, hopefully hopefully Perry or or um, Mooney. Go on with it a bit. Healy, whatever. Hopefully someone makes a ton. Yeah. So we won't see tonight. It's, this Ashes, the way they set it up. It's going to make it interesting. Is up, is up for grabs, which... For mine, to be a bit ridiculous since Australia won the Test match. If they end up losing a series, but that's that's their system. So. Yep, and yeah. it's an interesting system yep. that who knows might end up being the norm in years to come. But yeah. again, there are a lot of traditionalists who want to keep it the way it is, and, and that's fine too. And want more Test cricket. That's yep. exactly right. So yep. uh, the women's game is quite a unique format, and we watch it with interest. And hopefully, uh, by the time we report back this time next week, uh, we're smiling from. From yeah. one side of it, from the women's, and we're hope, hopefully with the men's the men. as well. Yep. We'll see how we go. All right, mate, we move on to Wimbledon. Some huge games at Wimbledon last week, but really at the end of the day, we're starting to get down to the business end of the Wimbledon tournament. We talked about Akaraz and, and Djokovic obviously being, being some favourites along the way. I suppose the, the big one is Eubanks from the US taking out Sitsipas in his yeah. last game, last match or last round, fourth round, uh, in five sets. Um, but really, at the end of the day, you've got the next generation coming. You've got Alcaraz, obviously, there, Hercats, Rune, Berrettini. Uh, these are the guys that are going to be uh, holding up the sport after, obviously, the Nadal, Djokovic and uh, Federer. 
I'd love, I'd love to see Sinner win. What a great name. Yannick Sinner. Yeah, go Yannick Sinner. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, obviously, Dimitrov, um, Sitsipas, Medvedev, uh, all obviously very, very handy players mm. in their own route. Look, at the end of the day, you've got to probably say it's either uh, Alcaraz or Djokovic at this stage of the tournament. Oh, and they're forced to have a bet. There's no doubt whatsoever it's Djokovic, you know. Well, an interesting so. statistic came out before the start of uh, Wimbledon itself saying that he's actually won more games at Wimbledon than the next 10 guys behind him, yeah. ranked behind him. It's incredible. It's just crazy, isn't it? Yeah. All right, and we move on to the women's side of things. We had a bit of an upset the other night with mm. Sabalinka defeating Swantec. Yeah, sorry, Swantec. Yep. Swantec. So, yes, uh, Svitolina defeating Swantec and um, Vondarusa uh, defeating Pergula. And then, obviously, then the other uh, matches that were leading into the quarterfinal, as we said. Jeez, uh, Ash Barty could have kept playing, make it far easier, far easier for us to announce the names, that's for sure. It would be yeah. a hell of a lot easier, yeah. that's for sure. So... Um, Yes, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I suppose the the big one is Svitolina had a uh, little bubs back in October last mm, year, yeah. and has come back obviously to uh, to win through to another uh, semi final yeah, at Wimbledon, which is her best result, and hopefully going one yeah. further into a final. All right, we'll report back on that one next week. Definitely, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back in a second. You're listening to the Game On podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. We get back into our wheelhouse with the AFL. Around 6.17 has been completed. Uh, some interesting results, but we'll go through them one by one. Uh, Richmond defeating Sydney. Yeah, just finished off a little bit more polished. Of course, the controversy of uh, Nankervis with Lloyd. Sydney losing Lloyd when they were three goals up. Uh, I'm very much a person who's in favour of the send-off, always have been. Yes. Um, for mine, that's just a blatant send-off personally. I can't see why there can't be a person up in a bunker. That's an obvious one, and only for an, an obvious one. No, nothing remotely um, oh, where you could dispute. That's just a blatant one, like yep. Dugowie's was earlier in the year. Off you go. That's how I feel. You uh, stole my question from me right there, Apologies. but that's okay. No problem. I uh, was going to ask you about the send-off rule. Obviously, when it comes to the concussion side of that send-off rule, uh, the uh, medicos that are there are AFL independent as far yeah, as we uh, understand. So. Yeah. Um, obviously, once that uh, medico has obviously said, no, nah, that's it, uh, yep. he's definitely concussed, needs to stay off for the rest of the game. You're right, it's interesting how one team can be penalised uh, and another team can't be, and obviously I just adding think it's a, a card. I think it's a crazy sport yep. that the team which is inflicted on the night is, is, isn't penalised yep. in terms of Richmond were the side who, who, effect, who broke the rules on the night, but they're not penalised on the night, mm -hmm. where Sydney have been punished for one of their players being belted off the ball. I think the system's wrong. I've always said yep. that. Yeah, fair call. Uh, I think the the uh, the example that I have seen at, during the week or floating around on social media was that hypothetically, if uh, Collingwood make a grand final and somebody targets Josh Dacos within the first ten yeah. minutes of the game, he's out of the game, and and the other team wins. Y y there's no benefit there's no or no ramifications at the, at the time for it. Yep. So. 
Yeah, very interesting, and we watched that one with interest. And obviously, after the Sydney game, uh, John Longmire was the the man who brought up about the the, yeah. the card situation. And I think it's quite justified. Yep. Collingwood defeating Western Bulldogs. Yeah, Bulldogs were at three three goals up uh, up early. Uh, I was out wheelchair footy, and then on the way home, obviously listening and following that, got home and just got on top. Bit more polished movement of the ball. Did what they needed to do. And, yeah, and finished over. Totally agree. Yeah. Yep. Totally agree. Uh, Collingwood are always going to be a tough um, ask for the Bulldogs, but you know, pretty good game and entertaining towards the end. I think Colling- um, the Bulldogs got a couple of not cheapies at the end, but they certainly got a few at the end that Collingwood were, uh, you know, well and truly put the cue in the rack a little bit. Yeah, I, they weren't ever in risk at no. risk in that last quarter. Totally agree. Brisbane Lions defeating West Coast. Yeah, next question. No worries. Uh, obviously, Joey Danaher and... Cameron. No, no, and Hipwood. None of their forwards took West Coast apart, which was a bit of a... was probably the big the no, surprise out of it. Gunston, Gunston came back. he seemed to sort of find his rhythm a little bit. Yeah, possibly. Again, look, I rate Gunston highly, but a lot of people have said he's been useless. I think they're not recognising the off-the-ball work and the structure he provides. Yep. Um, look, if he's got his body in better nick over that time off, it could be in, uh, he could he could be turn out to be pretty important. We'll just wait and see. Do we see Brisbane? I mean, obviously, I know we're, we're playing the West Coast who are struggling a bit at the moment, but does that sort of set them up for that final run of four or five games coming home? Possibly. I, I'm, I'm still thinking there's a gap, Collingwood-Port gap, personally, yep. but we won't see. Giants uh, defeating Hawthorne, but really only just 13 points. Yeah, and Hawthorne had a chance, missed a, missed a shot, which would have made it one point the difference with four minutes to go. Was that so. the snap around the corner uh, from memory? It, it might have been. been, yep. Yeah. So, you know, um, that could have gone either way. Melbourne defeating, Melbourne defeating St Kilda? Yeah, St Kilda a little unlucky with the injuries to losing, losing King, Cordy, before quarter time, so you're pretty unlucky. Uh, Rost before before quarter time, you're pretty unlucky to lose three players like that. And King, obviously, their main forward, so they did well to hang in there. Are, are um, Melbourne vulnerable down forward? They are a bit, yeah. yeah I mean, Petrarca, Petrarca goes forward, and yeah. you really want him on the ball. You've got no um, uh, uh, with Oliver. Not Oliver playing. not playing. You'd want two of Petrarca at the moment, yeah. one on the ball and one playing up forward. But, you know, if he's kicking four or five goals, then he's not getting his hand first on the ball in the middle. It is a bit of a double-edged sword, isn't it? I think they are susceptible, Melbourne. So especially, you know, you think Fritz and Oliver are two of their probably best five or so. You know, Fritz is their main forward. So, yeah, I th- and that certainly wasn't overly convincing, so we'll wait and see. All right, we'll give our Port Adelaide fans a little bit of love. Uh, Port Adelaide defeating the Suns, and pretty impressive considering Gold Coast jumped them. Gold Coast were good early. Yeah. I didn't think it was a case of Port being you know slack or no. you know, not switched on. No. Gold Coast were good, and then Port's third quarter was pretty special. Uh, Rosie was a bit of a master class. And, and that goal uh, we did oh, mention a little bit earlier classic. in the podcast. Brilliant. Uh, he was fantastic, and that goal will go down as one of the great oh. goals, not only of the year, but probably of the decade so far. And actually, like the call where he said that the Port supporter, he did the high five, that's something he'll remember forever. And he was just in the perfect, sitting in the perfect yep. spot. So, yeah, look, fantastic. Port again, very, very impressive. And nine goals uh, straight really got yeah. them not only back into it, and but Power probably... Pepper was 
you know, for all as much as we're going Butters, Rosie, Horn Francis and that, Power Pepper's having a very good year for them as Absolutely. well. The, playing that hard role, the position, the connecting half forward, half forward, you know, Tom Lynch when he was in mm-hmm. real good nick for the Crows did that role very well. Mm-hmm. And Power is a very important player. And yeah. I, I saw Power Pepper as probably their most important player when they were just starting to get going yeah, on, I, on obviously their yeah. run. He he just seemed to be everywhere and getting his hands on it at just the right, right time, time. Yeah, and doing the you. right thing yeah. as well. No, that's hard to dispute. And you add him to the Fab Four that they've got there and yeah, they're well, very formidable, aren't they? Yeah, it's it's a worry for the state. Um, Geelong defeating North Melbourne. No yeah, surprise. Did the Down job. at Cadinia Park. Yeah, did, did what they had to do. Uh, Carlton defeating Fremantle. Yeah, that cost me the nine, that game. that game. Um, yeah, just too good. Again, Fremantle, I've talked about in the last couple of weeks, the Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. They seem to be coming and playing one week and then not arriving the next. And then probably the surprise, which we thought was going to be the game of the round, but Essendon absolutely taking Adelaide apart, to be honest with you. That's the disappointing thing, that yet again another away game where they were where they were non-competitive. You know, Riley O'Brien got annihilated in ruck early. Mm-hmm. Um, just hurt Adelaide. on, on the, And the stats-wise were ridiculous. Like 117 more touches, I think it was, and 90 more marks. Just crazy stats. Um, everything what was the Crows were supposedly trying to make sure didn't happen, happened. happened. Yep. And, yeah, just way, way too good. And, yeah, game was over at half time. So, I mean, Adelaide's form away from home has been well and truly noted now, but it's very interesting that a little stat that uh, has come out, um, there's some players I'm going to name here that, that uh, have been named, obviously, as part of this article mm. that I'm going to read out. Um, Riley Thilthorpe, Isaac Rankin, Lachlan Murphy, Murphy, Nick Murray, Lachlan Scholl, Joshua Shelley, Mitch Hinge, Taylor Walker, Max Michelani and Wayne Malira. Now, their differences between their home games and their away games, just a purely yep. statistically yep. point of view, Thilthorpe at home is a 76, but he's a 48 away. Look, for mine, it's he was really disappointing Sunday, not just for not getting the ball, for mine, he he's shying away from physical contact. He Adelaide desperately need him to progress in the ruck. Ruck's their big weakness. It has been since two thousand seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, and for mine, he just doesn't want the contact. And unless a person in the ruck has got to want yep. want the physicality of it, you can't do it unless you enjoy that side of it. And he shied away again from that. For mine, and yeah, is it a case he's of a worry? Look, he's still only young. Yes, is but is it a case of almost not not knowing his role or being confused with his role a little bit? It shouldn't Considering, be because he's playing, but mainly he, forward ruck. Yeah, but has he played ruck in his junior, yeah, he junior has. career? Okay, so I and but I just think he's a bit intimidated by the size and that of the opposition, and he just didn't go up and have a real decent crack at it. Look, mm-hmm. Lockie Murphy for mine. Yeah, he tries hard, but he's not good enough. Yep. I'm sorry. Adelaide have got him, Keys, Riley O'Brien. For me, they're the three classic, gee, they try hard, but we need more than just try hard. We're talking the elite level. We're yep. not talking the three reserves for Adelaide Uni. You know, they're not up to it. Isaac Rankin was a probably an interesting one for me. At home, he's a 95, and away, he's only a 68. Is that a, is that a case of... 
him not performing or opposition putting a little bit more time and effort into him and also the crowd, obviously, at the Adelaide I Oval. I think also he's missed goals away. Like, he's kicked, I think round one was like two goals four and a kick, I think he kicked one three or one four four in another game. Now, if that's 3-1, instead, it changes that up. So yep. I I don't quite see him in the same regard as that. Mm-hmm. But you still got to finish and he's got to get better Well, he's at a that. specialist forward, yeah. so you yeah. expect that. Um, Nick Murray, 67 to 48. Yeah, that's an interesting one because he's been very good in general at home. So, yeah, that one probably surprised and me a little bit. I might watch a little bit more closely. Mitch Hinge from an 86 to a 70. Yeah, and again, I think that's where he had a huge game the week before and a couple of games where the stats probably overinflate it. Yep. It just rolls that way. Yep. Look, and I think Max Michelani's been great. Well, the last two names that I mentioned was Max and Wayne Malira. Uh, their drop-off is not as big. Uh, no. uh, Max's was from 59 to 50, and Wayne Malira's was from 79 to 69. That's not a huge difference. Yeah, look, I thought Max a couple times last week didn't dispose of it quite quick enough, but there was once where I'm watching, a, for goodness sake, who's he, where's a shepherd for him? Wayne Malira, I, I've got. I, I am more critical of him because again, his physicality comes mm-hmm. in. Uh, he picks and chooses where he puts his body in, and and for mine, that is a real weakness. Yep. I think that is a weakness away. I don't see Michael Annie as a weakness away. No, that's. It. I think that those two are distinctly different. Is it a case of Adelaide having a dirty day once again? Yeah, but I think they've now got to start going. Well, hang on, what's going wrong? And also, I make the point. It's always said that Marvel a game's quicker at Marvel. Now that's the first game this year since right at the start for Rory Sloan where he's looked way off the pace. You've thought, geez. So almost you go horses for courses more yep. with a game at Marvel. I think that's that's a debatable point. Essendon were pretty impressive. That's probably they were, the they best, were good. best that I've seen them play for probably three yeah. or four, maybe even yeah. ten so years. In really, fairness, the the they were very good as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. And obviously yep. Adelaide Pegging them back. I mean, at the end of the day, Essendon jumped them in the first quarter, but for the remaining three quarters, they broke even. Yeah, I thought 18 goes. points flat at Adelaide, though. Like, that was three goals in the last five minutes. The game was over. Yep. So, Fair yep. call. And yep. before we move on uh, from last week's round, Stewie Jew uh, unfortunately got uh, got sent his marching orders. Uh, mate, uh, AFL is a tough business at the best of times, but... The last two weeks he's played Port Adelaide and he's played Collingwood. Yeah. Now, you know, normally if you're getting clipped as a coach, you're generally losing to the bottom, bottom side. Case, yeah. So if they'd lost to West Coast and North Melbourne in consecutive weeks, I could sort of understand that. But yet again, Caro delivers the goods. Yep. She come out and said, bang, this is going to happen. Gold Coast come out, no, it's rubbish, rah, rah, rah. We're fully supporting Jew. And a week later, after they played bloody well against Port, Port, Really competitive, and it was Port's brilliance, not a case of Gold Coast being terrible. He gets the chop. So yet again, just so hypocritical, this... And it's embarrassing how many times it happens, the full support of the board and you're sacked a week later. Like, well, it's crap. We've seen in previous iterations, not only with Carlton, I believe it is, I think might have been St Kilda a little bit. If the chairman comes out and says to you, nah, nah, nothing to see here, you're all good, we've got the full backing of the board. You might, as well, be, you might as well be packing your bags you're when they start. You're guaranteed within yeah. two to three weeks' time, four weeks at the most, you're probably going to be looking for a new job. It's just absolutely it's pathetic. crazy. Pathetic. And 
I know that the AFL industry is very, very tough as far as uh, coaching roles and obviously head coach. But really, at the end of the day, some boards have to take uh, responsibility for some of the actions that they, that they are uh, uh, bestowing upon coaches and, and players and administration within the building. And you still wonder too, you know, it, it's looking like hard work and you, it looks like, mm. let's also forget that the AFL own, own Gold Coast. So, yes. they, so while we're clipping Gold Coast here, you wonder what's happening behind the scenes. You lead me to my next but, point, the yeah. conspiracy theories that are going around yeah. in that uh, Gold Coast sort of knew what was going to happen a little bit. Uh, Hardwick was basically done with Richmond as far as, like, I'm burnt out, which is fair enough. I can totally yeah. understand that part of it. Very interesting that he departed, obviously, mid-year, but like he said, once I knew, I knew. Yeah. Uh, then you look at the timeline of when this all sort of comes about that Damien Hardwick goes away, the immediate reaction of him uh, resigning from uh, Richmond was that he's going to be at Gold Coast. He obviously goes overseas. He comes back over here. He then disappears at the time when Jew is ceremoniously dumped. It's very smelly. It's very suspicious, smelly. We wait and see. And like you said, the AFL own yes, Gold Coast, which means that they've got a return on investment that they're looking for. Mm, you wonder. It is the best case scenario for Gold Coast and the AFL, but it's not the best look that's going around. And having seen their three youngsters, Walter in particular, who thing. now comes in the for in they're their three academy selections who they will pick up, and two of those at least will play round one next year. Yep. Um, it's a plum coaching role to get. Oh, Gold Coast were on their knees a little bit. Obviously, they've got Stewie Jew with unders when it comes mm. to paying him. Uh, now all of a sudden that they look like they might be going somewhere. They've then gone, see you later. We're going to get the bright and shiny new coach yeah. that's won three premierships. Yeah, you're right. It, uh, it, just the timeline doesn't quite no, sit let, well with me. Put, let's put wait way. and see, but yep. at the moment it's very suspicious. Talking about coaching merry-go-round, we've got Ken Hinckley that's obviously on the list. Uh, there is some talk of uh, Scott from Geelong, potentially. The ex-Adelaide coach, um, Pike, right. Don Pike. Um, you know, where does that leave everybody in the in the scheme of things? I think we've just got to wait and see. Um, look, I'd still be amazed if Hinkley's not at Port next year, but, yeah, wait and see. Interesting times ahead, and we'll keep an eye on that. And yep. the debate will continue to grow while Hinkley's not signed at Port Adelaide. That's, that's probably the big mm. one. All right, we move on. Round 18, mate. Sydney v. the Bulldogs. Toss of the coin job up there. Bulldogs probably a bit more to play for. Um Sydney have a few out from last week. Bailey Smith out for the Dogs. Toss the coin job. I'm going to go for the Bulldogs. I'm going to go from Sydney up yeah. in Sydney, but it's not going to be an easy one, and it's a hard ground to play, the SCG. Yeah. So, yeah, I might go Sydney just. Yeah. Um, Melbourne v. the Brisbane Lions. I'm going to go Brisbane. They've been a bit better. Melbourne just haven't been uh, impressive at all. Mm-hmm. Um I'm going to go. I'm going to go for Brisbane in terms of a little bit more informed, but it wouldn't surprise for Melbourne to win whatsoever. Melbourne's form hard to read at the moment. Brisbane are up and down a little bit. It is away from the Gabba. Brisbane have almost got the same win loss record as the Crows. Yeah, I know. I just can't see Melbourne scoring enough at the moment. That's the problem. That's the thing. That's where That's at the, the moment problem. you go. I can't see them keeping Brisbane down to stuff all. Mm-hmm. 
Mind you, Lever and May could do that. Yep. And it could be a low-scoring game again at the moment. But I'll, I'll yeah, again, toss the coin, but... I'll yeah. back Brisbane along with you. Yeah. All right, Collingwood v Frio. In Melbourne, you've got to go to the Pies. You have to. Um, but then again, the Jekyll and Hyde of Fremantle might yeah. come to play. But, yeah, I don't see that one working out all that well. Gold Coast v St Kilda. Up there, St Kilda, a couple more injuries have come out today that Billings is in doubt. Uh, Hill's still in doubt with his knee. Of course, they lose King, uh, King Ross and Cordy. And you get the uh, up. Lift sometimes from a Gold Coast that have just yeah, lost their possibly coach. Possibly up there. I was going to go Gold Coast anyway. Um, I think they are playing some pretty good footy. So out of that, but yeah, who knows what could happen. I, uh, I'll i pick Gold Coast. I think the other thing that was very interesting, especially uh, you know with the sacking of Jew, was that you know, they hadn't played at home for six or seven weeks yeah. because they sold a couple of games, games up into the territory, Darwin, yeah. which is fine. I mean, that's all part and parcel of the commercial arrangement, but it makes it hard when you're not playing oh. at home. And we talked uh, last week, I think you brought up, the, uh, or the week before, that you know Adelaide seemed to be the Leyland brothers a little bit yeah. moving and playing Gold around Coast the country. Back. Gold Coast is sort of in that same oh, boat. Ma- massively. Um, so it's very hard to, to um, factor in that when you're trying to keep a coach... Uh, uh, that should still be there, really, at the end of the day. All right, Carlton v Port Adelaide. I'll go Port, but I do give give Carlton a massive chance as well. Like Port are due to drop one, so and look, um, they lose McKenzie Port, so you suspect Jonas will come back in if his body's up to it. Yep, which his body isn't great. Yep. Um, I actually moved up the stairs quicker than he did after Norwood played Port a couple of weeks ago. So I think that was a big worry for Tommy. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully he does come back in and perform. Um, but, yeah. A Port likely to go with a little bit more of a youth policy considering that seems to be part of their mid-season uh, or yeah. early season change in that they did start to bring a couple of those young ones in to I'm not sure give if them that an, spark. not sure if there is another young key defender. We'll yeah. wait and see. Yeah. Put it this way. If Tom doesn't get picked and plays for Port That'll be his last game. You'd think, geez. He's played his last yeah. game. Yep. Yeah. Fair call. All right, Geelong v Essendon. Uh, at at Cadinia Park. Cadinia Park, GMHBA yeah, Stadium. GMH, sorry. But like we um, said, we like calling it the oh, old school name. It's a habit for me. <laughs> um, I'll go Geelong, but honestly, that, that's again. Geelong too. So Essendon lose Phillips and Draper still out injured. Um, so ruck-wise, they're going to struggle. So mm-hmm. I'll, go, I'll go Geelong. I think you've got to pick Geelong down at Cadinia Park. Yeah. Uh, they also seem to be building a little bit at the moment, just little, quietly, little. you know, not... not. Mind you, we had that bizarre draw a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> We'd have to remember that. That's true. Um, now, the amount of teams that have played at Cadinia Park or uh, GMHBA yeah, Stadium since 1990, we'll go through it very, very quickly. Very surprising that the top team that's played at Cadinia Park more than any other team has been Melbourne. Yeah. yeah I, was, I was surprised with that. Yeah, I mean, because look, all right, we'll go through the list here. The next, the second team was Sydney West Coast, Sydney West Coast, Adelaide, Fremantle, St Kilda, Brisbane. All right, so you look at that and you go, all right, all interstate teams don't draw look, a huge Melbourne, crowd. I Melbourne, get it. it is a bit of a surprise, but I still think the key ones are at the bottom. That's where it does tell you it is still the extended VFL. So anyway, Collingwood with three times, yeah. Essendon with five times, Carlton with six times. Yeah. 
Yeah, the very, Col- very interesting. Collingwood supporters got lost on those three occasions. Yep. <laughs> well, they wouldn't have been able to get yeah. too many tickets. All right, so we're both in agreement there with Geelong. All right, Crows v the Giants. Yeah, Giants are their bogey, bogey side. Yep. I think the Giants have won the last three they they've played here. They have indeed. Um, so I'm going to go with the Giants. Um, I do think talent-wise they have do have more talent than Adelaide. Um, so, yeah, you, you should say Adelaide at home, but purely their record that it is a 50-50 game. Mm-hmm. The Giants do deliver here. Toby Green's got a good record here. I don't think Adelaide have a great anyone really to match up on him. Keys won't all. tag him, do you think? Well, he's placed half forward, so yeah. I, I just really don't know what they'll do there at all. Um, Is it a job for Max, maybe? I think he might get first crack. So, yeah, we'll wait and see. Crows obviously play better at home, as we've uh, and I do articulated. Like, I do like them more at night at home than yep. the day. Yep. I've said that. So, yeah, toss the coin. All right. Well, I'm going to go with Adelaide on this occasion. They did burn me a bit last week. Yeah. I thought they were going to show a little bit more um, determination than what they did. And, and it, to Essendon's credit, they did jump them. And they uh, they fought their way back. I'll give yeah. them kudos there. But, uh, you know, Adelaide at home, night game, I think they're going to go uh, – they need a response. And I think yeah. seeing Nixie sort of fly off the handle a little bit, was a good thing, I think, for the Crows, and I think you're going to see a big response from them this week. They're likely to come out and kick eight or nine in the first quarter well, and put the game to bed, but then again, they might get six or seven kicked against them. It's just hard to yeah. see at the moment, and I think Butts is probably the key here. And he is due to come back in. Yeah, at so the moment, he looks like he'll play. So. Their, their structure is very, very yeah. reliant on, obviously, everything falling into place there, and he's a very key key player. All right, North Melbourne v Hawthorne. I'll go Hawthorne. Go Hawthorne as well on that one. And then to finish out the round, West Coast v Richmond. Richmond. It's hard to pick West Coast, but you just never know at the moment. And no, it's impossible. It is impossible. I think you're right. Absolutely. Yep. All right, mate, we move on to round 12 of the SNFL. Yeah, look, in terms of um, the Nord side of things, Glenelg were just a bit too polished. Um, we didn't. Adelaide, just, uh, Nord just missed too many goals. I think we were seven goals, 15 at one stage again. Probably didn't have much luck in the umpiring last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that I, was actually interesting with a couple of Nord guys who very rarely mentioned umpiring, even said that after the game. But Glenelg were more polished. There was no doubt about that. Uh, McBean was too good. Ho- Hosey, uh, Turner, they they look, did, they are the team to beat. They're... Um their polish uh, through changing the angles, obviously it was broadcast. Um, you didn't get as wet as you thought you were going to yeah. get, mate. So that was a bit of a yeah, bonus. That was something. Bit of a bonus for everybody there. But their ability to change the angles really did look impressive, even on a very small Nord Oval. So, yeah, yeah you're right. They're just much more polished at the moment. Um, well done to Nord just to hanging in there and, and you know, put, put up a pretty good fight. Yeah, goal down. We kicked the first goal of the last quarter to go goal down, and we and that and at that stage, then a turnover at half back where thought picked the wrong option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so disappointing. But Glenelg were the better side, obviously. Uh, Port Adelaide defeating Woodville West Torrens. Port Adelaide now look like they'll make the finals at SNFL, which I think helps their AFL side dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, Jace Burgoyne actually made that point today. Interviewed him at a. Uh, coaching clinic today, and yeah, so um, he felt that was a very important part of Port's progression that 
how they're doing better at SNFL level mm-hmm. as, as well, which was interesting point for a youngster to make and see the overall picture. So. Yes, obviously that's being drummed, drummed into them down at, the, at Alberton there, that um, yeah. it's yeah. all in, one in, all in. Um, obviously they're uh, trying to win the ultimate goal of the AFL Premiership, but a uh, uh, SNFL Premiership would be uh, right up there as well. Yep. All right, North Adelaide defeating South Adelaide. Yeah, so North is still hanging in there. Um, still a chance. A uh, couple back, as we said uh, last week, made that point. They're probably stabilising a bit. And yeah, the cockadoodle-doos mm-hmm. uh, are still definitely well and truly in it. Waiting for a little bit of drier weather by the looks of it, potentially. Uh, Sturt defeating West Adelaide. Yeah, close game too. Um, a little bit similar to that they played in the last round where Sturt just got up in the last few minutes by goal as well. Low scoring game. Mm-hmm. Um, I dare say Richmond was pretty... Uh, boggy. High sense stadium was pretty boggy. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. A bit like only Oval the week before. Yeah. Uh, very, very interesting. And then Adelaide taking on um, Central Districts up at Nuriop. Yeah. Oval. Great for um, the country. Uh, and Adelaide blew them out of the water, they really. Did. They won pretty easy. They did indeed. Uh, great that... Uh, some of those games are going out to the country yeah, regions yep. as well. So, yep. all right, we move on to this week's rounds, mate. We've got West Adelaide v Centrals. I'll go Centrals to rebound. It's at High Sense yeah. Arena. Yeah, Centrals. Yeah, sounds pretty good to me as well. Adelaide v Glenelg. This is a big game. Big game. I'll, I'll go Glenelg. Glenelg at home. Glenelg for me as well. Uh, Albert and Oval. Port Adelaide v North Adelaide. Now you talk about bogey teams. North Adelaide have been Port Adelaide's yeah, bogey have, team of recent times. A little bit. I'd like to see the teams to see how many they lose. But at the moment, it's at Alberton. It is at Alberton. So they have home ground, home games where Adelaide don't. I still find that amusing mm-hmm. and hypocritical. Um, I'll go Port. Port Adelaide for me as well. Sturt v the Panthers. Sturt. Sturt for me. Uh, Wigan Oval or Unley Oval. Yep. And um, the Eagles v Norwood. Big game. Toss of the coin. Mm. Job. Look, it is at Woodville. Um, but I'll go Norwood in that one. Gamble responsibly of actually, uh, and we say that to everybody who's thinking about having a bit of a punt, they're actually $1.72 v 205. So the punters are sort of backing Norwood to potentially get that game against the Eagles. Yeah, it's always an interesting one, that, because Woodville West Highlands, um, I know a mate who did on that over the years was well in front on Westies because hardly anyone ever backed Westies, so their odds were always thing. I And I suspect a little bit the same there with Woodville West Highlands. So, as we said, yeah. gamble responsibly on that yeah. one, and we'll keep a bit of an eye out and report back next week on those games. And to finish off this uh, little patch of segments around the grounds, mate, we took a bit of AFL trade talk. We took Adelaide first. I'll mention some names. Duday, Redmond, Crouch, Himmelberg, Williams and English. I think Duday is gone. If he was going to stay, he would have re-signed by now. Does uh, the injury sort of put a little bit of a, a full stop on that a little bit? As in, we'll may, talk about it a little bit further down the track because he is injured? Maybe, but I, I, I thought that would have made it more likely to stay at Adelaide. The mm-hmm. fact that still hasn't happened yet... Mm-hmm. You're not selling by now, generally you're gone. Um, now, he is a restricted free agent, yeah. so Adelaide do sort of yeah, hold the cards. Yeah, I know. Oh, only to some extent in terms of that. It's, once do, a player says they're going, clubs very rarely force them to stay. 
Do, um, do Adelaide need Duday? That's the question, considering we have seen I think the, the last, last couple, couple of weeks, weeks have probably indicated that, that they yes, do. Yes, they do. Redmond would be a suitable replacement in that way. What if they got both? Yeah, look, that would help dramatically. There's no doubt about that. Like, Dawson's helped. But, you know, I, I find your next name really interesting because don't worry, Adelaide threw him around last year and didn't get any takers. So I... I can't see... Matty Crouch we're talking about here? Yeah, I can't see him on an AFL list next year. I I think he'll be back in Melbourne playing local footy in Melbourne. So let's wait and see on that one. Interesting call. Yeah. Uh, Himmelberg. Now, I didn't put a an initial in front of this, but the Himmelberg from GWS coming to the Crows. We'll talk about that combination first, and then we'll talk about the other way around. I think Himmelberg... Uh, Harry Himmelberg is, the, is in demand. Yes. Lots of clubs after him. Yep. I don't think Adelaide would make the decision to recommit to his brother purely to get Harry. Yep. Because um, the one I, I think for mine, I can't work out why why by now the Adelaide Himmelberg hasn't been tried down back. He he hasn't worked up forward. Mm-hmm. As Bick said. Why not make him follow a player and try him down back? Yep. Adelaide lack a key defender in terms of big, big. You know they let Frampton go. Now that's what I was just about to say. Is I it can't the Frampton work scenario out, all over again. I can't work out why they're not trialing him down back. He's not good enough up forward. Try him down back. Uh, try him to run straight ahead. Do then the Crows get a little bit of trade value for him uh, potentially up to GWS with his brother Maybe, if he stays. I, I, Honestly, I could only see him being a third or fourth round. I can't see anything dramatic out of that. Bailey Williams? Yeah, he's a maybe. He He's an interesting name that's been floated out. Um, yeah, he's a possibility. Gives a little bit more polish to the Adelaide midfield. Yeah, and the last name you got there, English, let's not forget he is Western Australian. Yep. So if that's an interesting one, though, because you'd say... Well, only on the basis that... His name has been sort of a little well, bit... He should have been an Adelaide player in the first place. Yep. Um, thanks, we, Tom Pike. And we could um, we could do a whole episode on that yeah. if we needed to. Yeah. Um, out, of, out of that, with English, even as a West Australian, you could say, well, surely you wouldn't want to go to West Coast because mm-hmm. he's not going to play any finals the rest of his career if he made that call. Mm-hmm. And Frio have already got... Luke Jackson, who they've thrown all their marbles in this year, and uh, Darcy, I don't think they'd commit yep. to another Ruckman. So, yeah, look, he's an interesting name, and oh, I'd love to have him in Adelaide. Uh, I think you've mentioned that a few times, yeah. and probably part of the reason yes. why I chucked him on the list, but also I'd heard in uh, trade radio talk, whatever, articles that you know he is a, a potential player that could be could be got from the Bulldogs. Uh, we go to Port Adelaide, Radigalia, Ben McKay, Georgiades and Fantasia. Well, Radigalia got mentioned last year, but let's to remember at that stage he wasn't an accepted key defender at Geelong. He's had a good year at Geelong, so you'd say... He'll be a required player at Geelong, so he's probably got the he's probably got a bit more currency now. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether Port make him the big money offer mm-hmm. uh, to try and get him away. And Ben Mackay fits that same equation as well. That you'd think there could be a reasonable big offer there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're likely to get to try and get one of the two. I don't think they'd get both. both yep, and that uh, Georgiades. 
I'd be amazed if he's at Alberton next year. I'm in the same boat there. I think he will be back. And Fantasia was probably the big one that came out. Um, he's, uh, now denied, last, like, he's now denied that. Yeah. To, Late what, last where week. the hell that came from. Yep. Yeah, I, that didn't make any sense to me. Well, I think Arazzi will either be on Port's list or he'll be back at Nord or at Paynham. I reckon they're the three likely yeah, scenarios. Yeah, cool. And that's part of the reason why I added yeah. him to the list on the yeah. basis that I thought it would be strange that, yeah, uh, no, he won't. that, that won't the profile of Essen's list would be looking at someone like Fantasia. But also Port Adelaide rate him quite highly when he's obviously fit and that's the key here, he, him being fit. And now if Port don't, feel like he's going to be fit to go around again, then you're right. He could be at Nord or he could be at Paynham next yep. year. Yep. All right. Is there any left field selections that you think could happen for either of the teams, Port Adelaide or the Crows? Not yet. Not yet. All right, mate. We move on. Um, we're going to have a quick break. And when we come back, we've got two segments today. We've got Millie Bishop, uh, who's a physiotherapist and part of the CTE um, neurological, neurological side of things, side of things uh, to talk about women in sport, which is very, very topical and because concussion. and concussion because we wanted to talk last week um, about CTE, but we held it over to this week. Uh, she's given us some fantastic insight, and uh, we look forward to chatting to her. And we had to bring back one of our favourite um, uh, players and also interview uh, past interviewed players, and that was Michael Ash about his Australian. Uh, Football Hall of Fame induction. And we thought we'd go along the, along the lines of not only congratulating Michael, but just when he found out the story there, how the night went, uh, the Nord involvement on the night, and uh, Barmy, etc. So, yeah, um, and Michael's speech. Have a bit of fun there with Ashley. Absolutely. All right. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. Five good minutes in the clubhouse. Tonight we're pleasure, pleased to introduce Millie Bishop, a physiotherapist involved in the neurological side of things as well. Thought it was important as a follow-up on the concussion side of side of things, the CT, the developments, developments on females more likely to get concussion and hand over more to an expert than us mere bystanders. So welcome aboard, Millie. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on tonight. Thanks for joining us, uh, Millie. Um, We wanted to talk, obviously, that it was a pretty topical subject with um, the untimely uh, passing of Heather Anderson uh, Mm -hmm. and her uh, donation to the Australian Sports Brain Bank. And obviously you're an expert in this area and we thought it was important to to pick your brain on... um, What's going on in that uh, that field of work at the moment? Yeah, definitely. Really important topic at the moment, like you said, especially with this news coming out about Heather Anderson being the first female athlete, or first female in general, but first female athlete to be diagnosed with CTE. Um, and I suppose taking a step back before that, I suppose what we're looking at is is concussion as a whole and how this is affecting females differently to males. Yep. Um, really important topic at the moment, especially with females being a lot more involved in this contact sport, which is really exciting. Um, but it also warrants sort of further investigation into how this affects females differently and why it affects females differently. 
Um, and I suppose what we can do in terms of pre preventative measures and then also management strategies and that rehab and looking at that return to play and how we manage that appropriately. So we're trying to lessen the, the risk of CTE, I suppose, um, and the, the impact that that has on an individual's life. And how we're trying to do that, Millie? What's, what, what are the thoughts in, uh, in that package, effectively? Yeah, yeah. So I suppose um, what we're looking at is CTE being defined... Um, it's a degenerative brain disease and the the issue that we have with it is at the moment the only way to diagnose it is an autopsy post-mortem. So after someone's died is the only way we can tell that they have it and it's when we find these deposits of protein sort of within the brain. So what we're trying to do then I suppose is, like I said, limit those um, repeated head knocks because that's what it's associated with. So those repeated concussions and repeated exposure to head knocks. So I suppose we're taking it all the way back and, and there's a lot of research looking at preventative measures, whether that's um, starting at a younger level, so looking through school sports and taking that tackling component out of it or, you know, seeing how we can lessen that impact there. And that's um, been done so with both male and female? Or yeah, male? that's exactly yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, through both male and female. Um, I mean, both genders are obviously at risk of it, but like we'll touch on maybe a little bit later yep. is why females are more at risk and more susceptible to it in the first place. Um, but then, like I said, it comes down to those things of recognise a concussion as well. So on game day, having the right personnel there to recognise it. Um, obviously, we do at that higher level, but thinking down to things like local level sports as well, I suppose, Um where we have the right personnel there, recognise it, getting players off of this and managing it appropriately in terms of the diagnosis, the right steps for resting and recovering and then an active rehab and returning to sport at the right time as well. And how do you think that's developing? Will it develop in, like the AFL's uh, protocol at the moment is, you know, the, the 12 to 14 days. Do you see that lengthening, that time? Yeah, I do. And it's it's tricky because we look at all different sports and everyone has their own protocol. So everyone's got a different sort of time frame that they're working yeah. within, which I think we'll have to get to a point where, um, and I don't know how far away it is, but we'll have to get to a point where it's recognised sort of the same across the board. Um, but that comes with, you know, more research. And that's really what we need at the moment. It's a, it's a really tricky area that's under research at the moment but obviously such a big issue yeah. and these things do take time obviously so yeah it's, I do it's see time it time with things. compiling all the data uh, and that yeah. side of things that you can yeah it's, it's a tick tick box area but it mm -hmm. sort of has to be doesn't it really that's exactly right it does and like I said these things do take time to do the research well um, and to look at it across like we said things like CTE the difficulty of that is, you know, we're researching these things off people over people's lifetimes, you know. Mm. Um, so it is a time-consuming thing, but obviously a really important thing. Yeah. So we've had, obviously, some um, male football players donate their brain to the uh, Sports yeah. Brain Bank. How uh, and how important was it that Heather, um, you know, as part of her final wishes, that she donated her brain? How does that help you guys when it comes to research and, and take that next step? Yeah, so important and really special that um, the family and Heather were willing to do that in terms of research. Like I said, it's something that's not um, diagnosed until 
an autopsy is performed. So really that's the only way that we're getting these diagnoses and finding out more about concussions and CTE and this the the damage, I suppose, that is done with repeated head knocks. So really important in terms of the research moving forwards and, yeah, very, very helpful. Do you, uh, do you see that um, her donation will change the landscape for women's football going into the future, especially in the short term but obviously in the long term? Yeah, look, it has to. And like you said, we, we've seen this, um, a few of these in, in male athletes and just the fact that this is the first one in, in female athletes and, and like we're going to touch on too, why females are more susceptible, um, them being at a greater risk of concussions and then likely a greater risk of CTE, it has to have some impact on how we move forward with, with female sports in contact, female athletes, sorry, in contact sport. And it's also an education process, still so much out there. People keep going off, you know, the, the average person, oh, footy's being made softer, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of the, the sling tackle. And you're trying to go, hang on, folks, with what's happening off the ground in terms of not only litigation, which is obviously a, a massive issue as well, but the whole mm-hmm. health aspect of concussion, it's not whether we want, it's not that we want footy to become softer that, with that crap comment. It has to, mm-hmm. the game must change or it's going to die. And people just, have still got their heads buried in the sand dramatically in that regard, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, there was this sort of, I suppose it's a misconception that, you know, you get concussed, you just get back up, carry on, it's just a head knock or, you know, that it's not a big deal. But when we're looking at a concussion, it's essentially a mild traumatic brain injury. Yes. Um, And so what we're understanding with more research is how serious that can be and obviously how that's affecting people long-term. So while, you know, AFL is fantastic and while it's not just about that, it's not about, I suppose, the sport itself, it's bigger than that and it's about these people's lives and how it affects them, you know, moving forwards into retirement and the rest of their life. So it's a bit bigger than just just sport, I suppose, and game day stuff. And even just using as an example, Jordan Butts got concussed again from the collision a couple of weeks ago and that... Yeah, I think that's the fourth time he's had concussion, fourth or fifth time uh-huh. he's had concussion. Now, and like with McCartan from St Kilda yeah. now, will be look like his mate is going to have to retire. His yeah. brother has now gone through a fair bit as well. It's still so much learning going out on what's happening out there, as you yeah. said, of the overall picture, not just mm. the game. Yeah, and I think they are interesting ones um, just in terms of, how little it takes to be concussed sometimes too. Yes. So sometimes, and and how often we're seeing it. You know, I'll look, at, I'll watch a footy game, and you'll see someone get hit in the head. You know, pretty well every game, and you wonder if that's a concussion or hope that they're being looked at. So, like, it's the nature of the sport, isn't it, in terms of yes. being a contact sport. But then you look at those ones like Paddy McCartan in that Sydney game and how little yeah. of a movement it is and how much it can affect someone. So that's what we're learning too. That with repeated head knocks. So once you've suffered one concussion, the likelihood of suffering another increases. And if we keep repeating that before your brain has had time to heal too, the the effects of the concussion on the brain just, you know, become, can become detrimental. And then you still get the cliche comment, people go, oh, why don't they wear, you just wear a helmet. And you go, mm. unfortunately, there's yet to be a helmet developed, which, yeah. help, which helps with concussion because the concussion is the brain landing on the ground and the shaking still occurring so it's not helping whatsoever wow. yet if if there could be a helmet the, developed that it would the, be fantastic we all love that the nfl were uh, massively protected 
hard helmets and yep. they're still getting this problem. Yeah, but that's yeah. why for different footy with a, being the 360 game, my understanding is the, is the gridiron, a lot of that's worn to stop the cuts and all that, where right. the footy footy is just different again. And we, yep. as, we'd all love medically, we'd all love a helmet to be developed. But mm. I, it, at the moment, it certainly doesn't look like we're anywhere near anything like that is my, is my understanding. Yeah, and I think that's still – that comes down to the education a little bit too, I think, doesn't it? Of yeah. Probably the general pub, public watching that and making those sort of comments. But, yeah, I suppose what we're thinking about with helmets is they're, they're good in the sense that they're protective of the skull, so protective from sort of skull Cheek fractures. Bone. Yes. Yeah, but what we know with a concussion is that's actually happening internally at a cellular level. So I heard a good analogy the other day of imagine a cup full of water and you pop a ping pong ball in it and then rub wrap bubble wrap around the cup shake the ping pong ball or shake the cup sorry and the ping pong ball is still moving with inside the water and that's what's happening with our brain inside our skull you're still getting that movement um with the helmets that we've we've got at the moment so like you said unless something else fantastic is invented that can prevent concussions in that sense um helmets aren't quite doing the trick at the moment and heather was a uh, proponent of wearing a helmet yeah yes and that's probably the 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 thing that stands out the most is that she's taken um, some precautionary measures because of that and yeah. it still mm. yeah. hasn't uh, hasn't helped her like she had hoped. Now, Millie, yeah. can, you, can you go a bit further now on the, on the bits of females being more susceptible and just explain that side of things? Certainly. So um, while there is some research coming into purely female athletes in sport, like this and why they are susceptible, there is still a lot that we need to work out. So at the moment, we know that females are about 1.7 times more likely to sustain a cushion than males, but we're not entirely sure why. So some current research does suggest that it's likely because of a sort of bone structure, I suppose, females having a shorter and narrower neck. So sometimes that can be associated with less neck strength and we know neck strength is sort of suggested to be a protective factor against concussions and some research does suggest that, you know, athletes with stronger neck musculature are able to sort of withstand the velocity of a concussion so they diffuse that impact through their muscles um, and as a result there's less head displacement that occurs. So if we think of females having narrower, um, shorter necks, not as much musculature to sort of absorb that. Um, movement they're getting more movement through their neck um and in turn more movement of their brain brain. yeah that's exactly right yeah the second sort of proposed theory of why um females might be more susceptible is looking at hormones also looking at menstrual cycle so there is some research that's looking at the phases of the menstrual cycle and how that's affecting uh, females risk of concussion but also how it affects their recovery and also so, of knee of ACLs as well. Yes, yeah. yes, that's exactly yeah. right. Um, so there was a report by Gallagher in 2018, this one was done, and it does look at the effects of hormonal contraception on outcomes of sports-related concussions. So this is in America, and they're suggesting that females' symptom burden, so after they have a concussion, that's more related or closely associated with the use of hormone contraceptives. So those who were not taking contraceptives had more severe symptoms compared to those who were taking hormone contraceptives. Wow. So big area for, you know, a lot more research to be done yeah. in, but definitely worth looking into. The third sort of proposed theory 
is whether there's underreporting by male athletes. So we know yeah. there's actually underreporting across the board. So both females and males underreport. Um, but it appears that females do tend to be a little bit more forthcoming and honest when they're reporting their um, sports-related concussions. Why that is, not entirely sure. Whether it's, you know, they are a little bit more concerned about their health and future, a bit more open about it, or maybe a bit more responsive to sort of that input. Um, you know, whether it's males trying to be tough and carry on with the game. It's interesting. Interesting where you've said that, Millie. I, I interviewed Tom Harley at a lunch in in Sydney, and mm-hmm. and Tom made the point where the guys now are speaking up more and coming yes. out on the Monday and going, "Hey, yeah, you know, I'm not right." Uh, where previously, very much so, bloke. Yeah. The old smelling salts. Get on with it. Play the game out. Where. We've now progressing where guys are finally going, well, hey, I'm not okay, not only about yeah. concussion, but talking about concussion in this instance, that I think we are getting there with that, that the male yeah. macho bullshit is gradually disappearing. Yeah, I think you're right. And, again, I think it comes down to, um, in the concussion sense, that education of, you know, yeah. like we said, it's bigger than just a, a football game. You know, this is their lives and... Um, they're doing the right thing for themselves, but sort of by the team too, by speaking up and coming forward with that and being managed appropriately rather than just trying to push through these sort of things. With, it's a fascinating topic. It is. Yeah, with, it is. With um, obviously most of your mail, uh, well, actually all of your mail um, uh, donations that have come in, mm-hmm. they've obviously come in from some elder um, yeah. players. Um, unfortunately, obviously, in this case, Heather was only 28 years of age, which yeah. is just amazing that that could happen to someone so young. Mm-hmm. But from a study point of view, having somebody who has donated their brain at the age of 28, does that give you even more insight into what needs to change? Oh, absolutely. And like you said, it's it's a big difference, isn't it? I mean, it's such a, a loss of a life at 28 year, years old. It's so sad. But um very important in terms of a research perspective. Um, And also that link, I suppose, if we're thinking about most of these deaths are sort of by suicide. And so looking at that link between concussion and mental health and CTE and mental health, obviously. Mm. um, And we know there is a relationship, but again, it's it's getting enough um, resources into researching exactly why that's related and why that happens. Have, so, yeah, really important. Have you read the report from Heather's autopsy? I haven't read it in detail. I did have a little flick through, but I haven't read it in detail. Now, educate myself and, uh, and the mm. listeners as well. There were mm. some abnormalities there for someone so young. Is that, that, that correct? Yes, absolutely. So my understanding um, is that what they found was those deposits of protein within the brain. So they are, they are what's, um, I suppose... defining of CTE, so definitive of that CTE being present. So certainly abnormalities in that sense. Um, And and like I said, that's how they're coming away with that diagnosis. Absolutely unbelievable. What, what, from your point of view, obviously there's got to be a lot more research done done to this, but... Mm. Where where is it sort of trending at the moment? Is there um, is there options that we may be able to diagnose this uh, without obviously someone passing away in the future? Is that? Mm. I mean, obviously that's the best case scenario, but are we of sort course. of trending in that direction? Look, I hope so, and it, it is tricky to say just with the position we're at at the moment, probably. But um, 
I think the way that it's getting recognised now in terms of concussions being such a prevalent issue and getting that recognition, I think it has to sort of trend in that direction. Um, there's more awareness around it now. And, and as it moves forward, I think we'll learn more about it, which is probably a little bit unfortunate, fortunate, obviously, um, but helpful in the sense that ideally we'll be able to get to a point where we can prevent this development. Hey, Millie, greatly appreciated on coming on board. And it's certainly a, it's a, it's it's a, a fascinating topic, topic yeah. but it, and it's such a vital topic. And I'm sure it's something we'll love to follow up with you in the yeah. future as we develop more and more knowledge and get more data and more information comes available. Absolutely. No, thank you for having me on, guys. Like I said, very important issue. So more than happy to sort of have a chat about it and get it out there as much as we can. Greatly thank appreciated, Millie. Thank you, Millie. Thanks, guys. Ta. We thank Millie for her time tonight, uh, obviously talking about the uh, CTE side of things. And there's a few uh, interesting parts of that conversation that um, made me sort of uh, scratch my head and go, wow, I, I'm, I'm interested in how they're uh, going about some of these testing processes. And like we said, unfortunately, with Heather Anderson yep. uh, passing away at such a young age that they're actually able to get some great insight into uh, such a young player getting this uh, disease versus some of the male players. Look, it was fascinating, but educational was probably my summary of that, educational for all of us, uh, and a great learning to listen and learn about concussion on both a male and female perspective. Absolutely. Uh, we did invite Millie uh, to come back on once, um, you know, there's a little bit of more data, more data with the CTE and the concussion and, and obviously players, obviously Sean Tasker. Um, yeah, greatly this, appreciated with Sean putting me on to Millie, so yeah. Absolutely, and obviously his work with Neuroflex yep. seems to be going global at the moment. I did like his Facebook page yes. with Neuroflex. There seems to be an article uh, every couple of days that they're in a new city, some yeah. cases a new country, uh, and working on some of that stuff. So we wish um, him all the best with that. And, oh, and task is taking over the world. It's okay, mate. It is. Uh, and we'll speak with Millie at some stage yep. uh, again with that. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Welcome back to the Game On Podcast. <laughs> Players, past legends, past legends. And our next guest needs no introduction. We've already had this gentleman on our podcast once before, um, and this was actually before we found out that he was actually in the Australian Hall of Fame, Football, to, Hall, of f- Football Hall of Fame. Welcome, Michael Ash. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Welcome aboard again, Aishi. Now, we just thought we'd go through things, a few things. So, And it is a funny story of how you first found out. Uh, fill the listeners there in there with uh, and what you thought was happening at the time, Michael. Well, I was sitting in the office, got a phone call and thought it was Patrick Keane ringing up about uh, Gather Round, who he had rang me previously, obviously, with James coming over from Frio to play at... Nord and play at the home of football, yes, yep, yes. So I thought, okay, and then uh, it was Richard Gorder actually 
ringing and uh, I excused myself from the the office and went into the store and it was about 20 seconds in and just all of a sudden it dawned on me that hang on a minute they're actually inducting me into the Hall of Fame and uh, yes got very very choked up I couldn't really speak for probably about 20 seconds obviously because my thoughts went straight to my father and yeah. um, he was good and he just said just yeah, no, all good and then uh, you know, I I twigged and uh, I said, "Oh, fair. yeah, okay." And then, you know, probably it took it took. Uh, well, then Richard said, um, "He said, well, well, do you accept?" Yeah, you know, he actually, he actually. <laughs> Unfortunately, I asked, you've got to ask Nord people that question, uh, Michael. Yeah. Apparently, apparently yeah. so. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so. so that was that was that was. Um, uh, pretty well it and then um, he uh, said look uh, we'll be in touch with you and I think they, they, they were softening a few people up because they invited me to gather around with the, the uh, dinner and, and Gil was there and welcomed a lot of past players uh, AFL players and, and mentioned me in there so I think he was um, sort of buttering him up to think maybe maybe I don't know, but uh, anyway, it um, it was uh, a very much of a shock. Let me tell you. Nah, well, well, well deserved, yeah, well and deserved. something we've been waiting at Nord for a while. Look, I certainly know Michael Taylor went from it was ten seasons from when we first, as Nord, applied to put in the uh, the paperwork, and Mike Colligan and Woody and the history committee were involved a lot in that, and I dare say it's the same been the same with 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 you three who were the obvious three at Nord. We we sort of all recognise that. But there's a hell of a lot of things going behind the scenes to finally get that tick of approval. And I certainly know with Michael Taylor we tried to involve Gary Pert with Collingwood and yeah, so it, it is it is a complex procedure to finally get the recognition. Now actually you had to keep it quiet for a fair while. Well they they yes they said uh, look just keep it very quiet, obviously, tell family. And I immediately told uh, Pam, then my brother, my daughter, and we, and that was it. And then about, uh, this was, this was, yeah, as I said, just before gather round. So yep. two or three weeks later, the Jesse was over from Sydney. So we got Carl, Jesse, and Joel, and Pam sitting down with, with myself and said, look, we've got something to tell you. We, we, you've got to keep it to yourself. Uh, you've got to promise you're going to keep it to yourself. And it was probably about 12, 15 seconds of Pam saying, look, this is, you know, and and Jesse just piped up straight away and said, can I come? <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. And he, he just worked it out yep. straight away. Yep. So, uh, yeah, so that, that, was, that was it. And then we pretty well, it, again, it, it, it would get out, you know, to – to a few people and, um, you know, they might, you know, tell a few people. But I think it, on the whole it's kept No, you quiet. kept it pretty quiet. <laughs> yep. There was mm. little roomings, but it wasn't certainly out there for sure um, whatsoever. So, no, I think you did that very no, well. Nothing very that we could well. have broken on the podcast, no, not unfortunately. Quite, not <laughs> quite. Um, go through how the, how the night runs, Michael. Well, we – so we stayed at the uh, – um, 
well, at the casino or the towers, whatever it's called there. I don't know. Crown? Crown Towers or whatever. So we stayed there, uh, got there on the Tuesday, uh, probably about 1, 1.30. The girls take about three hours each in their makeup <laughs> to get that done. Uh, we, the boys and myself, just lounge around and then, you know, just had a shower, got ready, and then we get up there about 6 and there's there was well we actually were as we were getting into the lift to go down um sam mitchell was getting into the lift he was on the same floor yep. with his whole family so i've tweaked straight away yeah he's obviously going in because i had no idea other than bruce mcavaney because i'd already mentioned that i think yeah and so then we got on the lift and went down and as we're walking, uh, I see I see Stephen Williams and Mark Williams and 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 Jenny, which we've known for years and yep. played footy against them and with them uh, at at primary school. And so we went up to them and said hello, and and then we yeah. So there's there's uh, then Enright and but all um, came and and then we we're all. Uh, into, Tom, into Lay. Tom Lay's yeah, relatives. Tom, Tom yep. Lay's relatives. And then we're into a room, take a photo uh, with family, and then we go into just another room for sort of pre-drinks. But then those that are getting in had a photo, uh, um, you know, a few photos. Yep. And then and then we, yeah, they go into the night and sit down and then start um, as as you know, like uh, doing little bricks, um, starting to start, not panic, but starting to get a little bit nervous about the whole night. because. It's, and what it, number were you up, Aishi? I reckon I was, uh, in the end, I was, what, fifth? Or how many? Seven? Yeah, was, I, think it was, uh, I reckon I was fourth or fifth. Okay, yep. Yeah. So you had to wait fifth. around for a while. Had to wait around for a while, make sure I had uh, just some quiet waters and, uh, yes. you know, um and, and then just, yeah, just uh, get up. You, you sort of, uh, I had the phone call from Jared Wheatley, um, you know, probably two weeks before, just to, just to map out a few questions that he was going to ask. And then um, I didn't know, you know, how they would go highlights-wise and, and, you know, like I didn't realise they were going to have Barmy to, to speak about them, which was which was fantastic. And, and as I sat down, it was just wonderful to see uh, to my left on the next table was obviously the president, Paul DeLilio Afana, yep. James Fantasia, uh, Neil Baum, his son, yep. it is, um, and Mike Coward, who oh, we fantastic. all know very yep. well. And played who, a big part in your career, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coached me at Pulteney Grammar uh, for one year. I think it was in year 10. And being a mad normal supporter and of course was a leading journalist um but also you know i did the uh, footy replays i think it is back there in the um yeah, the big replay. yep yep yeah yeah now your speech Aishi, I obviously with the makeup they'd made sure uh, pam had plenty of red in the cheeks because uh, yeah <laughs> now i thought that was a great line Aishi. i loved it well let me tell you, Malcolm, I think she sees it a little bit differently. But I, <laughs> I, I know sometimes I think, well, maybe my memory hasn't served me correctly, but I was on the money there, I reckon. 
Yeah, no, it was it was it was it was a great line. I thought it was hilarious. So, yeah, yes. well, it's actually, uh, you know, you, you sort of think sometimes if you can if you can get get one away early like that and and you get a laugh, it, it actually settles well, it settles me and and also you know maybe yeah not necessarily settles the crowd but it, it certainly makes me a bit more at ease if you can sort of get a bit of a gag out yeah and get a bit a get a bit more acceptance out there yeah 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 now going through the rest of the the night um Joel and uh and uh, Jesse and uh, Paul and Fanta right up in the votes for uh, best and fairest off ground that night mate yeah we we so we finished oh, I can't remember what time it was uh but we ended up you know, just mixing when it when it finished, and was uh, very fortunate to finish. Um, and Glenn Jack Martin just say well done, and then a couple of other people. So just having a chat, there was Darren Chandler. Obviously, the SNFL was there and the like. So just caught up with them, and then went down. Now we dropped out there for a split second. Who was the first people you mentioned there, Aishi? We unfortunately your line dropped out just there for a sec. It was um Glenn Jackovich and Anthony Kudafiti. Yeah. Which is a great photo of the of your Colts with Kuda, mate. Yeah, so we we, we well, that was great. Had a good chat there and then ended up going downstairs uh and then there was uh, Dipper, who Dipper, he would eat out a few. And I know <laughs> from '84, uh, then was really oh, um, Dipper and Terry Wallace got to meet Terry Wallace and Jason Dunstall, so that was good. But then met Michael Lachlan and Michael Long, yeah, and you know, just sort of you know I just every moment, so we ended up going meeting up. Uh, just downstairs at different places, and then yeah, Fanta, uh, Fanta. I think Fanta. I think probably got the got the nod ahead of Joel, um, <laughs> and Paul and Jesse probably you know equal on. Unfortunately, your phone connection is not great, Michael. We'll keep going. Um, yeah, no, it certainly looked like uh, Jesse was like a kid in a candy store there with some of the photos. It was great. Yeah, look, they all loved it and, and wanted to enjoy the night. So, uh, and they certainly did. What What was it like, uh, you know, being up on stage or, or having photos with, you know, Bruce McAvaney and Jimmy Bartell and Sam Mitchell and Mark Williams? And that's just a, a who's who, isn't it? Well, it was. It was. You know, you kind of think these people that you see and have, well, Mark was about my era, obviously, and. Uh, and then you've got the others that were younger, but it was, you know, they're, they're, they're just pretty well, not that I had uh, big chats with um, James Bartell and and Corey, but, you know, I had a little bit of a chat to Corey and they're just all good football people. So, and Bruce obviously commentated from when I was playing. Yeah. So got to, got to meet him as well. And then just those other guys that I mentioned um they were, they were good to have a chat. Was look, I don't. You, you meet too many um, people in the industries or ex-players and that that, that are knobs. You know, no, meaning no. you know, yeah, exactly. You, you, most of them are pretty good. Yeah. What was was Bruce a little bit toey considering he wasn't the one conducting the interviews? 
<laughs> no, I think Bruce is pretty good. Yeah, uh, he's been in the game long enough, and he was, um, you know, well, well and truly worthy of of being inducted Absolutely. with with who he is and what he's uh, done for football. That's for sure. I admit, I reckon when I should have thought more of it when Barmy was all of a sudden over in Adelaide a couple of, a couple of weeks ago and it gnawed on that Thursday night that. I should have twigged more and more there. That that's that that's what they did there. The filming, the filming, and that side of it. So yes, um, yeah. Well, I, I don't know when the filming was actually. Yeah, done. I think it was done on that day. I reckon because that that right. it certainly looked like it was inside it inside the rooms. Right, at Lord. And okay. Barmy has always spoke brilliantly. Um, yes, yes, and Barmy's it's. He's actually looking better, I reckon. When he looked first lost all that weight, we looked at Barmy and we all kept asking Barmy, stop bullshitting, are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. And now he, he does. He actually looks um, fine. And that was great. Your highlights, uh, fantastic. As I said to you last Thursday night, you picked, the wrong, you picked the wrong game, though, to take your best ever mark since we lost the 80 grand final. But that mark in the 80 grand final, mm. you, how you didn't get cleaned up, and all that is as good as KT's mark in the eighty-four grand final, and it's it was just yeah because we lost that game, it doesn't get played as much as what it should. Yeah, well, look, I've I've said to a few people, you know, not that something like this is going to happen again, but you know, from here on in, I'm bringing my own highlights. <laughs> I reckon you could have asked me myself and Jeff Wilson would have been probably the two who could have yeah. produced it. Uh, uh, yeah. There and Bob Walsh would have been the other one in that regard. Uh, yeah. uh, I think we might have to put some rowdy. of those highlights on our Facebook page yeah. too. Yeah. Look, Michael, it was obviously well deserved, overdue as far as the Nord supporters concerned. It was probably it was the other thing on the night. It was actually great that it was South Australian night of so much recognition, and you know Tom Lay also. I'd, I'd always heard the North guys and Nick Haynes talk about saying it's you know and all that. He's also a past Nord Premiership coach, a dual Premiership coach mm, too. So mm. it was good to get effectively a couple of bits of Nord info. Obviously, he's a North Adelaide person. Don't get me wrong, wrong there, people out there. But it was a great South Australian night, you know, with Mark with Mark Williams, Bruce, Corey Enright. So it was fantastic. No question about that. It was actually a bit of a surprise to see that South Australian flavour about the whole night. But, yeah. Uh, and again, I, I guess. You know, when, when the Hall of Fame started, which I'm not exactly sure when, but that to to then encompass, you know, like outside Victoria and encompass, you know, the uh, whole of Australia when it comes to the, you know, uh, Australian Football Hall of Fame, then I guess, you know, you've got a committee, they, hey, you know, there could be, you know, what their, their mantra is to, hey, who deserves to be in whatever? Hey, I'm very honoured and fortunate that I was chosen, but there, there's probably hundreds, if not thousands, that, that in in the end will probably get in there. We're not, you know what I mean? It's yeah, just, I, I know what you mean. Oh, look, I think Neville's our. Ne- I actually think Neville Neville is our next Nord. Per, that's my own opinion. I, I, yeah, not, I haven't spoken to anyone else at Nord at the moment, but I personally, that's my own opinion. Where. And that's where it becomes hard. Where a player's been at three clubs, you actually need all three clubs uniting to push. Ah, right. Probably in someone's case where some people might have regarded that person leaving a club, 
as you know, so called treacherous, whatever, don't push as hard, which doesn't help. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. No, well, that I was trying to get I my wording in carefully, then, Michael. Yeah, so, so I didn't realise that was the case mm. in in that scenario. But uh, and again, as I said, look, if you if you really not that you can think of it, but if you had if you had a whole lot of names that, that aren't in there that in front of you and you could go through them and, you know, again, it's all, I suppose people will, will think, oh, him, yes, no, yes, no, but there, there would be there would be significant numbers. Oh, look, as a, as a South Australian footy person, Greg Phillips was the name which stood out for a long time there. I kept mm. going, hang on, he was, the, he was the Port Adelaide, you know. He was the player who who installed more, the most fear into us as opposition sides, you know, how much time he stopped everything at, and that at centre-half mm. back. And, yeah, he was one. Peter Carey was another one. You know, there's, mm. we all know there's, there's plenty of people who are overdue, overdue rewarding. But it was fantastic yeah. to get, you know, get re- the Michael H appropriately rewarded. As you said, it would have been great if, you, if, you, if Peter had still been around to be able to celebrate it. I love what you said about your mum on the night as well. I thought that was... You know, really appropriate, and and you worded that perfectly, Michael. So, congratulations again. Thank you, gents. And also your promptness and all that. I thought he's going to get eight million messages, and yet again, you're always. I thought it was a fair effort to On reply to reply to a message at two fifty two in the in the morning. Ashy, so as always, you were switched on. So, thanks, mate. Not a problem. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Michael, and um, congratulations once again. Thank you. Thanks, Ashy. We uh, thank Michael Aish uh, once again. Um, his contribution to SA footy, footy has been yeah. huge, but obviously now being recognised through the Australian Football Hall of Fame. Oh, just a bit of fun to let people know on how the night on how the night goes, and and uh, you know, a bit of fun with Michael's speech with Pam and yeah, and Jesse and Joel and and uh, Paul Delio and Fan are dominating off the ground. So yeah, a bit of fun there. Obviously being inducted with uh, Jimmy Bartell, Corian, Enright. Enright, Tom Lay, uh, Bruce McAvaney, Sam Mitchell and Mark Williams. Uh, some South Australian flavour there, yeah, obviously. It was. With... It was a great, great South Australian flavour for the night. Absolutely. And Bruce McAvaney, an absolute yeah. legend. And same with Mark Williams. All right, mate, let's move on. Happy days. Happy days. All right, mate, we kick off happy days today with happy birthday this week to Ned McHenry, 23 years of age, drafted from Barwon Heads in Victoria College, Geelong College, Geelong Grammar, under-18s, contracted until 2024, 59 games, uh, starved of a little bit of opportunity at times, but uh, one hell of a fisherman as well. Yeah, look, I think he's a better player than Lockie Murphy. I've made that opinion well and truly known, and I'd like to see him developed... um, Far more than he's been given the opportunity this year. I think he's proven that he deserves more opportunities and uh, hopefully they'll come. He uh, got his opportunity coming in as the super sub or the tactical sub a couple yeah. of weeks ago and boy, did he light it up. And uh, Adelaide, yeah, Collingwood. Adelaide. He nearly got Collingwood. He nearly got the Crows home. Absolutely. It's Collingwood. And um, uh, the Crows are hoping that he continues that form as well. So happy birthday, Ned McHenry. All right, 2017 women's tennis. Um, Gabby, Gab, Gab, Gabine, I reckon. Gabrine Magarutha 
of Spain beats Venus Williams 7-5-6 love for her second Grand Slam title. I'm never going to just fight you with the pronunciation, Pete. Um, yeah, look, great result. But, yeah, second uh, set's a bit of a interesting one. It's almost like a few tennis players, once they get down, maybe the intestinal fortitude to really fight and make the person earn it. Uh, evaporates a little bit. And that's uh, Garbine Margarutha. Um, Venus, you don't see her too many times lose a set six love. So very, very interesting there. And obviously uh, Margarutha obviously winning her second Grand Slam title. Congratulations. Winning Wimbledon is a a big, big thing. All right, we move on. 1978 golf. British Open men's golf at St. Andrews. Jack Nicholas completes third career Grand Slam by winning by winning by two strokes over Ben Crenshaw and Ray Floyd. Champion, I've got to be honest, I love Jack Nicklaus. Um, uh, He was incredible and one of the all-time champions. And probably, you know, my age, he was, as a youngster, Mm -hmm. he was the golfer you sort of followed the most. Sort of the Tiger Woods of of yesteryear. Totally agree. Um, If... Cameras and social media and all of that was around back then. He would have been absolute rock star yeah. more than what he actually was. Oh, so you're right. Here's a gun. All right, we thought this one would be topical. Soccer, 1970. Uh, Denmark beats Italy 2-0 in the first female soccer championship, which is obviously, obviously then... it is very topical. ...then has evolved into yeah. the World Cup, Cup. Women's yep. World Cup. And, of course, we wait with bated breath, uh, breath on that at the moment. So... Um, Good luck to Sam Kerr and the Australian side. Absolutely. And yeah. Starting in uh, seven or eight days' time. Of course, Danny Hanson would have been very happy with that result. The red, white, uh, Danish dynamite getting up. So, Absolutely. Beautimar, well played, Hanson. <laughs> well played. And we finish off in 1930 with cricket. Obviously, again, topical at the moment, but... Australian cricket master batsman Don Bradman is out for 334 in a drawn third test v England at Headingley Leeds uh, with an innings of 330, uh, 383 minutes with 46 fours. One the incredible thing there is nearly a run a minute, but I'd love to know how many overs were bowled back then where teams got on with it and actually bowled, got on with the game compared to now. 46 fours, incredible, and yet again, Bradman very much... Keep the ball on the ground. I think he only yeah. hit five sixes for his entire career. This is what I was going to say. Yeah. He was the master, yeah. and when everybody talks about Bradman, he keeps it on the carpet more than any other player has in history. We well, said you can't get can't caught. get caught. Can't get caught if you hit the ball along the ground. But uh, to debate that uh, point, I wish Australia would remember you can't bowl a batsman out unless you pitch the thing on the stumps too. Very very handy. Uh, All right, let's move into the extra time big finish. Extra time, big finish. All right, mate, had to chuck this one in for the baseball fans around the place. The um, All-Star game was played in Seattle with the National League defeating the American League 3-2 for the first time since 2012. Long time between drinks. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Uh, yeah, interesting stat again, Pete. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, it's a bit of a week-long events with uh, uh, the All-Star Weekend. Yeah. Uh, the Home Run Derby, which was held uh, the day before, uh, obviously attracting a full house, and then the All-Star Game contracting a, a full yeah. house. Is it Australia's equivalent, or, or in football, is it the equivalent of the uh, gather-round? Sort of, yeah. yeah it's I a bit of a carnival it. atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's true. It is a... It, 
You can see the similarities there. They do their rookie draft or their draft uh, during that time as well. So it's very interesting that they base their entire gathered around type of event around these sort of three or four uh, days that they have in Seattle. Yeah, it is. It is. Is something that the AFL can learn from? Or do you think the gather round is pretty much got, it, got is, it right? Yeah, I think so. Right. Fair yep. enough. Yep. All right, mate, as we do each week, uh, uh, trade, re-sign and retire. Uh, this week, uh, Todd Goldstein, Tom Hickey or Riley O'Brien? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 had, to, I uh, had to chuck this one in, mate. I really did. Can I retire all three? Um, <laughs> I think Todd Goldstein retires. Yep. Um, I would trade Riley O'Brien. I, I, you know, I'd love to get Tim English for Riley O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, you know, Adelaide Ruck's been a weakness since 2017. I don't think Tom Hickey can get traded again. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say he resigns. Yep. Yeah, I'll trade Riley O'Brien. Is Tom Hickey more important to Sydney structure or is Riley O'Brien more important to Adelaide structure? I think Tom Hickey's actually a better tap ruckman. Mm-hmm. Riley O'Brien competes hard, tries his guts out, but he's just not a good enough tap ruckman. So, yeah. Fair call. Yeah. I think I have That's to be with opinion. you on that same structure of retire, uh, re-sign and, yep. and trade. So, yep. fair call. Uh, NRL, game three of State of Origin. Doesn't really need to be played, considering that Queensland are 2-0 up. It's still a big event. I think that's the thing. We've got to remember it's still a mammoth event. It is equivalent of another grand final. It's still always a sellout. Yep. So, yeah, I think it does. Fair call. Uh, I'm just thinking along the lines of uh, injuries, um, you know, but like you said, it is for Australian selection. So it is important in that respect. And that's the difference. Yep. You know, we can compete, say, but there's no Australian side. There's nothing, there's no carrot on the end of the rainbow where there is. Rugby, so that's the big difference, and the same with the all star game, uh, with the baseball. You know, yeah. they're obviously playing for home ground advantage, so yeah. very, very interesting that that uh, that's the way that there is a bit of a carrot. Whereas the AFL don't quite no. have that state no. of origin, unfortunately. Uh, the way the that it's structured too, is not going to happen. Players are too big a business, yep. they're, they're a multi million dollar yep. product. You know, that's the the club's property, they don't want to risk that. So So you can't see an all-star game coming out of the AFL. Fair cool. All right, racing. Daniel Ricciardo finds his way back into F1. Yeah, so he's back until the end end of the year. So uh, it is with Red Bull, isn't it? It Yeah. So Yeah, interesting. There was another Australian back in it. So wait and see. Does Daniel being out of the racing game for a little bit advantage him or disadvantage? I know he'd been doing some test laps with a lot of the team or it a couple of the teams. It's probably a slight disadvantage, but I don't look. It'll be depending how competitive the car is. Is it a case of the cream will come to the top and he may produce better results now that he's got a bit of a second go at it? We can hope. Absolutely. All right, we move on. World Cup, uh, women's World Cup. Alex Chad. Chadake and Charlotte Grant from South Australia were named in the final official 23-player squad. Chidiak. Chidiak. Who knows? That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Mm. Yeah, look. And, yeah, sold-out crowds are well and truly expected. I I think it's going to go right off. It's it's a huge event. It is, you know, the World Cup in soccer is is a mammoth event, as we know, on the male side of things. Female side... Side, it's gathered momentum, but also it's realistically Australia. We're a ch- we're, we're considered a chance. chance, a chance where the male we know we're not. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 
So it's a big event. Huge event for Australia and New Zealand, yeah. obviously sharing the role, which we uh, had brushed upon the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm getting a bit itchy for it, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I think I'm we, we, to it. We've sort of teased it for the last couple of weeks. We've talked about it little bit by little bit, but, hey, let's get into it. Let's go. No, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Australia's games. And Australia obviously playing at um, uh, in Sydney there to yeah. a full house, uh, already sold out. So uh, let's hope they get off to a good start and, um, you know, really take it to the rest of the world. Because as we know, we can remember the Cricket World Cup where Australia bombed here. It's a real wet lettuce if the home team does fail, uh, fall absolutely. away. So we really hope that Australia are right up there in the uh, business end of the tournament. All right, man, to finish us off tonight, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly. For mine, Australia's bowling in terms of everything. I'll query Cummings. I'll certainly query McDonald. Is that the bad or the ugly? That's the, everything. <laughs> it's shocking. It was Scheisenhausen. It was Dumb. Yep. It was freaking stupid. Yep. Oh, for mine, that was inexcusable stupidity. Mm-hmm. And I still think I'd love to go harder, but we are on. Yeah, well, we're not. We're not an R-rated show. <laughs> not yet, but we can change oh. that. Uh, maybe we'll give you the rule book rant next week. Let's oh. let's bring that one back. <laughs> let's have a go. Uh, my good, my bad, my ugly. I think the ugly probably looks Stuart Jew and his yes. departure. Yeah. Uh, the bad uh, was probably the the the, the um, cricket with uh, some silly decisions being made along the way, and I think uh, the good for me is probably the. Young ones coming through at Wimbledon, you know, your Alcarazes, your Roon, Young American, you know, Rublev, Sinner, and a few others that are coming through there as well. So it's a really interesting time in tennis, and I think it's a good time to uh, to sort of jump on somebody and hope that their career takes off. Imagine if Sinner gets up, St Kilda will claim that as a flag. (laughs) They might, you never know. All right, mate, as per usual, been a huge episode. We've covered a lot of topics, and... Uh, we thank Michael Ash, we thank Millie Bishop uh, for their time tonight. And as per usual, mate, we promise to do better. We'll have a crack. Thanks, folks. In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCast SA. We'll see you next time on Game On.